Bienvenue dans l'alcove. Aujourd'hui, on reçoit Azamit. Welcome to the alcove. Today, our guest is Azamit. Azamit. Geneviève. You're a creative director, curator, collaborator, experience builder, stylist, model, and a pretty kick-ass businesswoman. Among many things, you're the brains and creative vision behind Souquet Sat and Azamit Pop-Up Home. And over the last 25 years, you've collaborated with countless brands and designers and built a reputation for being incredibly talented, poised, and an absolute delight to work with. I have personally had the pleasure of working with Azamit, and I can confirm that all of those things are true. Yes, she is beautiful, but she's also very warm and generous. Azamit, thank you and Tsuki for joining us today in the alcove. Thank you for the beautiful introduction. <laughs> Um, so, Aza, let's start with some warm-up questions. Perfect. Answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Of course. Who is your favorite international designer? I don't have a favorite designer. Just like most things, I try to not stick to one thing because um, I think it's important that everybody grows and, and moves on to the next thing. And I've noticed over the years that it's a question that a lot of people like to ask, especially when you work in the fashion industry. I think that from one collection to another, we tend to like one designer more than the other. I think from one collection to another, uh, we tend to be inspired by something different. And as a woman who loves fashion, and loves to dress up, um, I think I'm more uh, sensitive to either texture, fabric, or I'm, I'm a lot into storytelling, but the storytelling that comes within the clothing, within the uh, la scénographie, uh, le message qui va derrière le vêtement, et c'est pas juste en mode, c'est c'est mm -hmm. dans tout. Uh, si on me demande c'est c'est qui t'amuse, est-ce que t'as des muses, est-ce que t'as des icônes, j'en ai pas. C'est plutôt des des parties d'une vie, d'une personne, ou les les gestes qu'elle a posés, les les uh, la différence qu'elle a fait, uh, les causes dans lesquelles elle s'est impliquée plutôt que ou son style de vie ou son style vestimentaire plutôt que de prendre une personne, un designer. J'ai pas d'icône, j'ai pas de. C'est un peu faut gober tout ce qui se passe dans la vie, je pense, et c'est très important. Fair enough. So, is there an item in your home that you're particularly fond of? Everything. <laughs> It's home. <laughs> It's home. Um, I think every, if, if you're like me, I, I, I tend to collect. I, I don't, I don't, um, je ne collectionne pas des you're choses. You're not a hoarder. Yeah. Uh, I collect vintage kimonos. I collect maybe, like there's a couple of things I'm obsessive about, but I try not to go too much into being obsessive. Um, I think everything has a reason why it's there. It might be something that we picked up while we were just having coffee with someone, or it could be something you picked up on a trip. Could be something that reminds you of home, your parents, your family. I don't really have a particular thing that inspires me. But there's corners in my apartment that inspire me because it either takes me back home, or it takes me to a certain era of work, life, friends. So I don't really have a particular. Je suis très vaste, hein? Je suis très vague. Je suis pas pointue jusqu'à maintenant, mais ça va. I'm gonna keep trying. Uh, do you ever get tired of talking about fashion? Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I love fashion. 
the same way I love interior decorating, design, uh, architecture. Um, a lot of things inspire me. Um, but I've noticed that uh, maybe it's the same thing in all the other fields, but people in fashion seem to be extremely obsessed with fashion. And it seems to be the only thing that they see. C'est comme si tout tourne autour de la mode. Tandis que pour pouvoir aller chercher plus d'informations, pour pouvoir se nourrir, pour pouvoir grandir, pour pouvoir avancer, je pense qu'il faut s'inspirer de tout ce qu'il y a dans la vie qui gravite autour de la mode. Vous, c'est plutôt la mode qui gravite autour de toutes ces autres choses. Fait que, ouais, des fois, je suis, j'en ai vraiment marre de, part- de parler de la mode, ce qui fait que j'essaie de ne pas en parler le plus possible. How many languages do you speak? I speak four. I am originally from Eritrea, so I do speak my, uh, my native language, which is Tigrinya. I also speak um, Amharic, which is uh, the official language of Ethiopia, which is where I grew up. I spoke French uh, because that's what I studied ever since I was a kid. I went to a French school. J'ai fait un lycée français, fait que je parle le français depuis l'âge de peut-être 3-4 ans, depuis la maternelle. Et je parle l'anglais depuis toujours. Je présume ce que j'appelle uh, airport language. So you grow up listening to it, whether it's through TV, movies. Uh, fait que je parle quatre langues. Et j'espère plus avec le temps. When's the last time you used your passport? Two, three weeks ago, I went on vacation. Where did you go? I went to Italy, south of Italy. The heel of Italy. Je suis allée sur le talon aiguille de l'Italie. De l'Italie, ouais. Good times? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Do you have any siblings? Yes, I have an older sister. She's three years older than me. And a younger brother who's three years younger than me. Je dis toujours que je suis la crème dans l'Oreo. Je sais pas. That's very cute. <laughs> um, are they in Montreal? My sister lives in Japan. She's oh. been living there for at least 12 to 15 years. I think we kind of lost track of how long she's been there. Mm-hmm. My brother uh, now is back in Montreal. He lived for a couple of years in, in uh, Ireland, but he's been back now for a couple of years. So, And my parents are also in Montreal, so I'm very lucky and gifted that the, my whole family is here. Is this your first pet? Actually, yeah, Tsuki is my first pet. <laughs> yes. What does his name mean? Tsuki means um, the moon, because I was trying, uh, well, we, with my ex-boyfriend when we first got him, trying to find him a name either regarding his skin color or the fact that he's really skinny. <laughs> And uh, we went through a couple of names and uh, we picked up Tsuki because we wanted some sh- something short and sweet and Tsuki is the moon in Japanese, just like his skin color. Very cute. We almost called him Stekini also, which means like a, a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> but it was too long. <laughs> What does your name mean? Um, pass? <laughs> we can pass. No, my name um, in Tigrinya is a very old name, uh, very, very old, to a point when my mom wanted to give that name to my sister. Um, my aunts on my, on my dad's side thought it was too much of an old name, so they said, nah, we're going to give her another name. So I was lucky enough to get my name, although my sister has a beautiful name. Um, Azamit means, uh, in the good old times in Eritrea, 
um, a woman is the one that holds the family. She's the one that takes care of the whole family, that cooks, cleans, takes care of family, siblings on both sides of the family, um, and also takes care of all the relationship with uh, the neighborhood, with the village. So uh, if, you would, if you were to translate it in, uh, in English, like my dad says, uh, when you meet an Azamit, and you say, oh wow, she's, she's an Azamit, it means you can say she's quite a lady. So that's what it means. That's so fitting. <laughs> my dad would be very proud that I took the time to explain my name. <laughs> I'm very happy that you did. Um, I know you're not into favorites, but is there somebody whose career uh, you really admire that you could share with us? Not, some, not someone that I can think of uh, right now. Um, I think there's a lot of people that inspire me, and um, it might be a question of, um, of age. I am going to be 42 uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, in about a month, a month and a half. And um, a lot of my friends have been sharing, um, and you did mention it indirectly the other day, a lot of my friends have been sharing articles with me of women who have who've, uh, achieved um, something I hope inspiring uh, after 40 women who've done a career move, who've, uh, who've decided to go for their dreams. And um, I think there's a lot of women that I've been reading about that have inspired me within the, la the last couple of years as I kind of decided to go for my dream about two or three years ago when I decided to not just work in fashion full time. Would you consider yourself a feminist? Um, yes and no. I guess um, I think feminists, a lot of people have a une mauvaise interprétation du terme féministe. Je pense que je suis pour uh, uh, le bien-être de la femme. Um, je ne veux pas utiliser le mot égalité parce que uh, je ne veux pas rentrer dans le débat est-ce que c'est égal, est-ce que c'est supérieur, c'est inférieur. Je pense que juste chaque personne devrait être bien dans sa peau. Peu importe son orientation sexuelle, son, ses origines, euh, <rire> ses <Désolé>. origines, <rire> sa couleur, euh, euh, qu'elle soit masculine, euh, homme ou femme. C'est que it's more about one person, mm -hmm. what they can achieve the best out of themselves, and not necessarily in competition with other people. And I say this because. Um, Coming from an Abyssinian family, uh, when we were kids, it's very typical to compare kids with other families' kids and say, well, you know, blah, 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 kids are doing this and that. And I think I lost it a couple of times on my parents. And I said, don't ever compare me with anybody else, um, whether it's someone that's someone else's kids or someone within my field. I think what's important is that we do what we can do best so that at the end of the day, we can look back and be satisfied with what we've achieved. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful and happy with what I've achieved, mm -hmm. but there are times when I look back and I'm like, oh, if only I had done this much more, or if, I, if only I had made this decision, but I know that I didn't make them because I wasn't ready. And there are decisions and, and um, things that I'm doing now in my life because I am ready for it now. I wouldn't have been able to take it, make that decision and live up to where I would have wanted to take it at that 
at that stage in my life with the experience that I had. Et, et le, mm -hmm. le bien-être aussi. Il y a des choses que faut que tu sois bien dans ta peau pour le faire. Si, si tu n'es pas bien, même si l'opportunité se, se présente, soit tu ne la vois pas, soit tu la fais mal, fait que tu es mieux d'attendre que ce soit le bon timing pour toi pour la faire. I think that's something that comes back a lot with everyone that we meet here at Alcove is that there is no roadmap. No one no. that's come here has is following a very clear path or knows exactly where they're going. Mm. It's kind of like every day there's a new challenge and you decide you want to challenge yourself with mm. something new. Mm. I think that's one thing all of you mm. guys have in common. Yeah, and it's, it's super important. I, I, I don't remember the exact words, but we were having dinner with my dad two days ago and, he's, and I was telling him about opportunities that I've missed in the past and how, how angry I was that I couldn't take them at that time and, um, but that I did get them years later and when I did them I realized oh my god I'm so happy I didn't get it the first time around because I would have definitely screwed up <laughs> and he did mention um, a proverb Eritrean uh, that I don't remember the exact words but I took notes on my cell phone um, that said, uh, it almost said like, uh, you wouldn't even see it if the opportunity is there. Mm. And it's, it's, it's pathetic enough to compare it to when, you, when, you're, when you're single and everybody keeps saying to you, well, you know, maybe he's just right around the corner, you're not just seeing him. And it is true. Uh, you know, the person uh, maybe is there, but you're not seeing them because um, you're not ready to embrace them in your life. And it's the same thing also when it comes to your career path or to everything else that we do in life. Well said. Yeah. We made it. I made it. We did the first part. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so I want to start off by talking about you as a person. So um, you were born in Eritrea, you grew up in Ethiopia, and somehow you ended up in Montreal. Can you tell us about that journey and what brought you here with us? How? Uh, <clears throat> why? Why? Uh, why, I guess, is uh, the same reason as most um, people who come to Canada. Um, either it's political reasons or in hopes of finding a better life or a better future. Um, my parents made that decision, uh, even if it did put their relationship, their marriage at risk to be separated for so long. But it was a commitment and, and, a, and a, a sacrifice that they did so that their kids could have a better future. How long were they separated? Uh, at least 10 to 15 years. But um, I would, we all say I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't have done it. But um, from an Eritrean point of view, it's, it's very typical, it's very classic. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people here can relate to that. Um, it's not even something that you question yourself or you question your relationship, you just do it. Uh, um, so my parents made that decision to come to Canada. I mean, it's a very long story and according to my friends, um, I talk too much and my stories are never ending, so I'm going to make it short and sweet. <laughs> well, you're in luck because we all came here to hear you talk. Uh, <laughs> so we're like kind of into it. <laughs> but... Um, uh, bottom line is when uh, my my mom was the first one that came here. Um, my mom went, but she was in Toronto. She she went to school in Toronto, um, did her studies. My sister came to join in Toronto, uh, and then me and my younger brother eventually came years later to join. But uh, my sister was already in Montreal because we were French speaking, 
And for her, it was the obvious move to do. So my mom moved from Toronto to Montreal, and my, my dad moved years later, uh, left everything behind to come and join us. Okay. Voilà. That's um, why I'm in Montreal. <laughs> French. So your studies. You went to Collège La Salle. Mm -hmm. You studied in fashion design. You then made your way to Paris. And that ended up being a very transformative experience for you. And it really kind of helped you figure out who you were and where you were going. It, Paris helped me figure out that the dream that I had as a kid was not necessarily what it was. Um, I always, ever since I was, I think, 14, 15, 15, I think, I was so convinced that I wanted to be a designer. So uh, when I got here at 14, I was convinced I was going to be a designer. I came to Montreal, I was 15, and my dream was just to go to uh, uh, and, study and uh, study in fashion design. After three years at La Salle, I went to, I got a scholarship, went to study in Paris, um, I got an internship at uh, Nina Ricci, and while I was helping out during the internship, that's when I realized that I did not want to be a designer. Uh, so it was a wake-up call, but at the same time, I, I could have stayed in Paris, but it was um, something urged me to come back to Montreal, which for me is home, so that I can figure out who I am and what I wanted to do. And... Um, came back to Montreal uh, for about a year or two. I just kept trying different things and eventually I fell into styling, into the styling world and I never questioned myself if it was the right or wrong thing to do. I knew I found something, j'ai mordu, puis j'ai foncé. Je me suis jamais posé la question and I did it for a very long time. Like, very long time, <laughs> almost too long. Um, so I want to talk about that transition between deciding that you didn't want to be a designer to <clears throat> falling into styling. And sometimes, just like in relationships, it's, it's sometimes better to know what you don't want than even to know what you want. And, you know, there's something that kept coming back in your life where people were encouraging you to make a career out of modeling. And, you know, you've said this before and I've read it, you didn't feel super comfortable with that. You were always cautious about modeling because you didn't want to sell your body. It felt like that's what you would be doing. Um, but to this day, you still here and there do a little bit of modeling. Mm -hmm. And it's that uh, world that still allowed you to find your passion mm -hmm. of styling. So I just, I want you to share with everyone here. Um, the story. The story. <laughs> it's a great story. Um, well, it was a very... It was a very long debate, as uh, Jen just mentioned it. I kept being approached, and I kept rejecting it. I guess I was very feminist at that time, <laughs> even more. And I kept saying, I will not sell my body. And, um, but I kept doing it for friends, because I realized I was being appreciated for the person I was, and not for whatever was on the outside. And um, I did a lot of shoots, I did a lot of shows, but always for friends and never for money. It was super important because then the minute money was involved, I always felt like um, I was getting paid to, to sell my body. And uh, when I came back from Paris and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I couldn't find a way of getting the first uh, foot in the business. Um, so I decided that if I'm gonna 
do modeling, I'm going to choose where and how it's going to happen. So I did the rounds. I went to see, sorry about this. So I went to see the different modeling agencies so I can choose the one I wanted to choose. Um, and I chose Foyo because that's where I felt more home. And it was a very small team. Not that the other ones weren't, but it felt more like a woman uh, women's agency. The the owner was a was a woman. Uh, everybody at the at the desk, uh, they were all women. Sorry about that. So I decided to choose Foyo so I can feel more at home. Eventually, uh, the first shoot that they sent me, so I can build my book, my portfolio. Being used to doing shoots with my friends, uh, I showed up with my with my garment. A bag, with my bag um, and my uh, full of garments, and I saw this fabulous stylist walking in with like racks of clothing, and uh, and I was introducing myself to everyone on set, and um, I asked him, "And what do you do?" He's like, "I'm a stylist." I'm like, "What's that?" He's like, "Honey, I'm gonna dress you, and you're gonna look fabulous." I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> And then as he opened everything, I'm like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. And the whole time they were taking pictures, I just kept looking at him thinking, that's where I'm supposed to be. This is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not, where, this is not me. This, this is who I am. So um, the test, the photo shoot was in the old port and Foyo is in the old port. The minute I got off from set, I went straight to the agency and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a stylist. And... And they're like, no, and this is like a long time ago, almost 20 years ago, so. And then there weren't a lot of uh, black girls at that time, um, and the market was not very developed either. Aujourd'hui non plus, mais encore pire dans le temps. So they decided to just keep me on the board and uh, that it was only going to be for direct bookings um, or if someone was looking for a black girl. So I kept it like a dessert so that it can help me see how the other teams work. So I was like being almost like a spy, but not really. <laughs> You're totally a spy. <laughs> but it was for me a, a great way of um, getting experience without necessarily being an assistant styling or a stylist, uh, an assistant stylist or a stylist. So um, the first thing I did, like uh, I mentioned to Jen a couple of days ago, first thing I did is I wanted to work at El Quebec. So you pulled an Ingrid. Yeah, I pulled an Ingrid. I just kept calling and harassing. <laughs> Emails didn't exist, text didn't exist. There was no Facebook, no nothing. I just kept calling. And they kept saying, yeah, call back in six months, call back in six months, call back in six months. And in the, middle, in, in, in the meantime, I worked on my portfolio. J'ai rencontré plusieurs photographes. J'ai fait plein de tests pour des mannequins qui commençaient. Uh, J'ai vraiment travaillé sur mon book and... Um, it wasn't fully ready, but then I said, I'm going to keep on harassing. So I called and I said, I have a book. I'd like to come and see you with my book. Now that I think about it, she must have been like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> so I guess she wanted to get rid of me. And she said, OK, you can come and see me tomorrow. So I went to see her. She saw my book, pretended to see my book now that I look back. And she said, thank you. We'll call you if there's anything. Okay. And uh, a couple of hours later, she called me. Cell phones didn't exist at that time, but left a message at home saying that uh, she would like, uh, that there's maybe a stylist that would want to meet me to be her assistant. And it just so happened that the stylist was pregnant and needed someone to carry her garment bags. Who is this? Elle s'appelait Shalini. 
And uh, Shalini only did, maybe, she was originally from Italy. Uh, and she came in town, she used to work for um, Le Vogue Italy. And she came in town and she was here for a very short period of time because she was married, she got pregnant. And she only did two or three shoots for Elle. And I just happened to be there at the right time. And I assisted her and then I guess she must have said something nice. Uh, the person that I met the first time, Claire Leonard, <clears throat> then referred me to the other stylists that were working at Elle. And then, voila. The rest like is this, history. The rest is history. So that's how I harassed and got in at Elle. At Hell. Or whatever. <laughs> um, a lot of people say that. It's like, oh, I was at the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. But I think there's probably a lot of people that are faced with these great opportunities. If you don't have a hardworking spirit and if you're not good at what you do, mm -hmm. those opportunities come and go. Yeah, but also because you're not ready. Mm. Maybe I... Maybe I did get the opportunity to see what styling was. I mean, what was I thinking when I was flipping through all these magazines, you know? Mm -hmm. Who, like, the models didn't show up with their clothes, you know? <laughs> the designers did not show up with their clothes. I mean, there was a stylist, but I just didn't see it because mm -hmm. I wasn't ready for it. And when I was, it was right there. And, and then the rest, it was just like, okay, how do I do this? And it's the same thing, what I'm doing right now. I've been styling for for over 15 years, for a very long time, and I didn't see that everything I've been working on the mm -hmm. side as a personal project was right. C'était en dessous de mon nez, mais je le voyais pas, that that's where I was heading, that those were the experiences I was building, so. So I want to talk about that a little bit, because you know, you have been doing styling for so long, and you said that you wanted to kind of move away from it because it became too much of a routine and you felt like there wasn't a lot of creativity in it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like, you know, when I hear you speak, it sounds like you constantly want to reinvent yourself and, you know, that you, you want to change. But at the same time, everything that you've done, you've done it long term. If I think about styling, you did it for a really long time. You became an expert at that. Mm -hmm. We look at Suket Sat. I mean, we're in the 13th year. Yeah, 13. Like, did you ever imagine that it would be that long? I'm still young. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, everything that you've done seems to have a, a commitment aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So what is the tipping point for you where you go from really committing to something and, and honing that talent to saying, okay, it's too much now. It's, I'm not happy doing it anymore. What is that moment? Um, the styling part was, um, I mean, I've, I've had opportunities where I could have moved to other cities, I could have done styling in other cities, mm -hmm. but I never took them. I guess either, I, either it wasn't meant for me or maybe my path was to go somewhere else. Um, and even when all those opportunities came and styling was everything that I loved, I didn't feel comfortable with them. And I think mm -hmm. there's a part of me also that wanted to stay um, grounded. So being close to my family, who've sacrificed a lot for me to have the beautiful life that I have was very mm -hmm. important that I stayed close to my parents. Um, so I think Montreal has its limit to what it can give. Definitely. And um, I was lucky enough to collaborate with amazing, talented people to make me see what Montreal has to offer best. Um, and you get to a point where you realize whether you have a year of experience or 
20 years of experience, um, the outcome is the same. I think that the, the result at the end of the shoots that you do, of everything creative that you do, there's um, a limit to how point you can go far or you can push it. And to how point the client is receptive and to how point the clientele that follows this client is receptive also. Je trouve que dans les dernières années, dans les trois à cinq dernières années, il y a une ouverture, justement, parce qu'il y a cette ouverture avec ce monde digital qui fait qu'on a finalement la chance de s'exprimer. Mais ça reste que les clients restent locaux et mmh. que si on a envie euh, d'explorer plus loin, il euh, faut aller chercher sa clientèle plus loin. Et à l'âge que j'ai, Not that I'm old, but uh, avec l'expérience que j'avais, j'avais pas envie de recommencer. Um, on, on me l'a proposé, mais j'ai pas saisi l'opportunité pour aller chercher des clients à un autre niveau. Je pense que j'avais envie de, de mettre le temps, l'amour, l'énergie, l'expérience que j'avais sur des plus petites uh, compagnies, personnes, marques qui. Um, qui apprécierait la valeur de ce que j'ai à offrir et l'amour que j'ai à offrir. C'est pas fait pour tout le monde euh, et, et je suis, je, ce que je veux faire, c'est d'en donner pour ceux qui sont prêts à le recevoir et ceux qui sont prêts à, à, à l'amener à un autre niveau. So, c'est une combinaison des deux, ce que moi j'ai à offrir et ce que la marque ou le designer, le brand a à offrir aussi. Je pense que j'avais envie de passer plus à une phase plus collaborative mm -hmm. et non à une phase où je suis engagée par un client mm -hmm. et, je, et je livre ce qu'on me demande de faire parce que quand on a l'expérience, c'est facile de livrer. C'est stressant, je suis tout le temps stressée, je suis tout le temps angoissée, je suis tout le temps en train de me questionner, mais même si c'est un client que j'ai fait 20 000 fois, mais c'est normal parce que si on ne se questionne pas, on n'avance pas dans la vie. Mais euh, je pense que j'avais envie de de passer à d'autres choses où c'est plus un niveau plus collaboratif et non pas le client versus euh, la styliste qui mm -hmm. exécute les besoins du client. So it could have been me or it could have been a junior stylist. I just didn't see the difference. Yeah. Les gens voulaient plus s'associer au nom, à la marque, à Azamid, plutôt que de vraiment euh, apprécier la valeur de ce que j'avais envie d'offrir à quelqu'un. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you know, throughout the end or the, the last phase of your styling, you were working on these side projects and you were, you didn't have the confidence to tell people. And, you know, there was this mentality that if you're working on a lot of different things, it's because you're not focused. It's like, it wasn't seen as something positive. Mm. Whereas today, yeah. I would argue that everyone that's saying, oh, I'm this, but I'm also these yeah. four other things yeah. and I'm working on all these different personal projects, you almost get more credibility. Yeah. I think it's a generation thing. Um, and and uh, je vais pas rentrer dans les détails, mais si, si, puis ça c'est vraiment, pour quelqu'un qui me connaît, il va se dire, elle se répète encore, mais si on remarque les générations avant, tes parents sont fermiers, tu deviens fermier, puis ça finit là. Puis mm -hmm. on se pose pas de questions. Après, il y a eu la génération de mes parents, qui était la première génération qui s'est dit ben moi j'ai pas envie d'être fermier je veux faire d'autres choses so, c'était juste une question de se, de se rebeller puis d'essayer quelque chose de différent 
Ils ne se demandaient pas si c'est ça qu'ils voulaient faire. They just wanted to do something different. So yeah. either they would leave, go to the city, or just do something different from their parents, just to say that they were doing something different. Ils se sont fait taper par leurs parents en se faisant dire, mais il n'y a pas de la sécurité, moi je t'offre la sécurité, je t'offre ci, je t'offre ça. So our parents still had the consciences of thinking, mais j'ai besoin de cette sécurité-là. Fait qu'ils ont changé de carrière, ou ils ont allé avec une carrière que eux, ils ont supposément choisi, mais c'était toujours une carrière avec une sécurité en arrière. Mm -hmm. Fait qu'ils vont commencer à travailler dans des grosses boîtes, je ne sais pas, Hydro-Québec, et mm -hmm. leur rêve, c'est de monter les échelons et puis d'avoir une sécurité financière et de prendre leur retraite. Après, il y a eu ma génération où on s'est dit, well, I just don't want to do something different than my parents, I want to do something that I love. That was like a whole new concept. Yeah, and our parents are like, are you crazy? You're not going to make money. Tu vas crever, tu n'as pas de sécurité financière. We're like, no, I want to do what I want to do. Et je pense qu'on est la première génération à prouver que, oui, on peut faire ce qu'on aime et ça prend plus de temps que les autres générations, mais on peut, on peut, on peut gagner sa vie, puis on peut réussir avec ce qu'on qu qu veut faire. Mais si on compare, ça revient à la même chose. Eux, ça leur prend le temps pour monter les échelons, et nous, ça nous prend du temps pour bâtir notre carrière et la réputation, mm -hmm. le travail, tout ce qui vient avec. Après, il y a la nouvelle génération que moi, j'appelle... Euh, il y a une petite génération entre qui s'appelle la génération « ça ne me tente pas ». Qui... <rire> Que quand tu les appelles, it's, it's the TV zapping generation. They're like, ouais, ah, je sais pas, ça me tente pas. Là. Ben, je sais pas, je pense que je vais aller au parc avec mes amis. That's, that's a generation that I would rather not collaborate with. Mais après, il y a cette nouvelle génération que je trouve, que moi j'appelle um, the Kickstarter generation. Mm -hmm. Ils ont vécu la crise économique. Ils ont vécu leurs parents ne plus avoir de boulot. Et ils ont vécu aussi toute cette métamorphose qu'il y a eu dans notre société avec tout ce qui est relié avec l'Internet. Ils ont grandi avec l'Internet. Ils la manipulent comme, comme euh, je ne sais pas, euh, les femmes dans le beau vieux temps étaient, étaient très habiles dans la cuisine. And for them, it's, it's like, it's as easy as drinking wine, I guess. It's very easy for them. And they've created their jobs. They've created... Their passion, their needs, their their way of communicating, their the way their way of of making a living out of it. Et um, cette génération là ne se pose pas de questions. Est-ce que c'est ok que je fasse plusieurs choses ou est-ce mm -hmm. que je devrais garder une seule chose? Because they don't know what's going to work because they're not waiting to have experience or to have the perfect thing to launch whatever it is that they're launching. As much as I try to be inspired and, and follow that um, type of, uh, uh, of workflow as the new generation of just going with the flow, ça reste que je, je suis quand même prise dans cette entité de ma génération où j'attends que tout soit parfait, que tout soit prêt, que tout soit étudié avant de lancer quelque chose. Comparé à la nouvelle génération, ben, ils vont mettre un truc, ils vont le lancer. Si ça marche, they're going to push it. If it doesn't work, well, they're like, well, it didn't work out, well, I have a new project. Mm. Et je pense que c'est ça qui est excitant, c'est le fait qu'ils sont... Ils ne sont jamais épuisés. Ils sont constamment en train de se renouveler, puis en train de collaborer. De... They're hustlers. They're and hungry. It's oh, yeah. And it's exciting. And they're not going to... They don't want my job. They want to create their own job. Compared to la génération, ça ne me tente pas. 
they came in with no experience and they wanted my job. They wanted my position mm -hmm. with no experience. Whereas the new generation looks at me and they're like, well, ha we're happy that you've made it, but that's not what I want to do. You're like, you're old, you're husband, you're this, you're that. I'm doing it the right way. I'm doing it the new way. Mine is fresh. And, and it's mm -hmm. intimidant for quelqu'un qui ne se renouvelle pas. Mais if you're a hustler like them, or if you're inspired, or if you're, if you're willing to move forward, you learn so much. And the process is... C'est ça roule tellement plus vite que ta vie est constamment stimulée. C'est épuisant, c'est essoufflant, c'est demandant, c'est ça, ça crée beaucoup de d'angoisse quand tu viens d'une autre génération. Mais euh, c'est extrêmement euh, inspirant. Et pour répondre à ta question, euh, avant je faisais toujours plein de projets personnels, mais j'en parlais pas parce que justement euh, Ma génération, tu fais une chose et tu focuses là-dessus. Et dès que tu parlais, euh, un exemple vraiment stupide, si tu es en train de faire un boulot et que tu as un autre client en même temps, bah, le client panique parce qu'il pense que tu n'es pas capable mm -hmm. de faire deux choses en même temps parce que lui, qui vient d'une autre génération, est capable de faire une chose à la fois. Fait que fallait toujours que fallait jamais mentionner que tu as un autre client, que tu as un autre contrat avant, après. Il faut toujours que tu fasses sentir le client que c'est le seul contrat que tu as. Et ça, c'était extrêmement épuisant euh, parce que je ne pouvais jamais parler de mes projets personnels. Let mm. alone speak about the other projects that I was doing within my field. Um, et que pendant longtemps, euh, j'en parlais à des amis et euh, souvent ils me disaient, oh, you're working on a personal project. Or people would say to me, ah, tu fais du ménage dans tes papiers parce que quand on a plein de trucs là. <laughs> Oh so it was always a joke uh, among my friends, and they're like, oh, you're doing your other project. Oh, okay, it's okay. So anyhow, how's your styling? C'est ça, you, you were as I met the stylist. Yeah, c'était vraiment ça pendant très longtemps. Et d'ailleurs, depuis que j'ai changé euh, un peu le... le que j'ai arrêté de faire du stylisme à temps plein. It's like you're, you're, it's, you're not owning it. I'm not owning it. <laughs> you're like, that. so ever since I'm like doing this thing, Okay. Uh, uh, depuis que j'ai arrêté de faire du stylisme, ouais. euh, j'ai perdu beaucoup d'amis qui, pour eux, j'étais Azamite la styliste ou Azamite au L. En euh, réalité. En réalité. Wow. Parce que pour elle, pour eux ou elle, je n'étais plus... Euh, I guess the person that they were associating themselves with. And it's okay. Ben, ça, je ne veux pas dire ça aide à faire le ménage, mais ça t'aide à... à, à à centrer ta vie et de voir c'est qui les personnes qui sont vraiment avec mm -hmm. toi because they believe in the, 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 the energy that you, you, you want to share and not the titles that, that yeah. come because you whether you've earned it or not that's another subject but um, and not because of the title that you've that you've earned over the years um, and it's interesting to see who who is supporting you uh, with or without funds whether you're broke whether you're having a crisis, whether you're just completely overwhelmed, happy, unhappy, people who show up in everything that you do, people who are there, no matter what time it is, mm -hmm. je pense tu vois vraiment la différence. And I think that happens throughout your life. It's almost like when you're in those situations, there's a part of you that can feel like it's almost childish. You're, what are these feelings about, you know, this person's my friend, what? but this is something that we'll go through our entire lives. As you continue to evolve, mm -hmm you have to make sure that you have the right people around you to support you. 
ben, C'est comme, euh, je reviens toujours sur l'histoire de, 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 des couples et des relations, mais c'est comme quand tu es en couple avec quelqu'un, ben, tu bâtis des amis dans cette relation quand tu es en couple mmh. et quand tu te sépares, il ben, y a des amis qui restent et il y a des amis qui ne restent pas. Euh, puis là, tu réalises pourquoi ces amis étaient là. Il euh, y a des amis qui restent amis avec les deux, puis il y en a qui, qui, qui choisissent un côté, et puis c'est là que tu vois lesquels sont plus authentiques et qui... The ones that were really your friends and the ones that were your friends because you were dating the person. So mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing also when it comes to everything else that you do in life. So if we talk about what you're doing now, we're going to throw words like collaboration. We're building experiences. And I, I, I know that these jobs are changing and they're becoming so much more creative, but in reality, what does that mean? What is a day in the life of Azamit? And how <laughs> do you pay the bills? How do I pay the bills? You've asked me that question before. I um, want you to tell these guys, <laughs> give them tips. Um, I do a lot of consulting. I do a lot of creative direction. I don't do styling anymore, but I do sometimes works on shoots um, where I work with, with stylists. Um, je fais beaucoup, beaucoup de consultations pour euh, des marques, des, euh, des collections. Euh, mon gagne-pain pendant très longtemps a été la mode, mm -hmm. mais euh, grâce au souk, les collaborations que j'ai faites euh, et tous les projets personnels que je faisais à côté, euh, je ne réalisais pas jusqu'à jusqu dernièrement que euh, j'ai bâti un très beau euh, réseau autour de moi sur des gens qui croivent dans mon œil, euh, euh, les sélections, les, les suggestions, les propositions que je fais, autant en design qu'en mode, mm -hmm. euh, qui est euh, quelque chose que je ne me rendais pas compte. Euh, comme je dis toujours, euh, fashion used to be a hobby and I made a career out of it. And I had many other hobbies and those are the things that I am working on whether it's design, whether it's interiors, whether it's experiences, whether it's um, collaborations, travels. Uh, C'est toutes ces choses qu'on fait dans la vie tous les jours, durant notre passe-temps, nos week-ends, nos soirées, les dix minutes qu'on a uh, during our lunch break. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> those are the things that should be feeding us, should be feeding our bank accounts, because that's what you like to do best, and that's what you know to do, how to do best. Mm -hmm. Ce n'est pas toujours évident. Euh, je le sais parce que je le vis euh, depuis que j'ai fait le changement dans ma vie. Euh, ma vie n'est plus aussi... Euh, euh, That was a sneeze. Ma vie n'est plus euh, aussi smooth euh, qu'avant. J'ai des hauts et des bas. Euh, mais je pense apprendre des hauts et des bas pour, euh, pour trouver sa foi, pour trouver sa passion, pour mm. trouver... Euh, les choses qui sont enfouies, mais qu'on ne sait pas, c'est comme aller voir un psy. Un psy nous, nous pose les questions, et des fois, euh, on se pose les questions soi-même, puis on finit par les trouver. Mm -hmm. Et c'est ce que je vis en ce moment. Et puis, euh, je, suis je, je suis complètement en équilibre avec, euh, avec euh, cette contradiction euh, que j'aime beaucoup, où je suis dans un milieu où je suis très à l'aise, qui est la mode et le design que depuis quelques années que j'apprends à, à faire, à gagner ma vie avec, fait que je fais beaucoup de consultations avec ça. Voilà, ça c'est mon vrai gagne-pain en ce moment. Uh, I feel like there has been this theme, a little bit of fear and insecurity uh, throughout your career. Um, 
how would you guide people that are going through that now that are afraid to take the leap to do what they're passionate about that you know they they think they know where they want to go but it's leaving maybe a very stable job it's mm. it's taking that chance i cry a lot <laughs> and that helps me out <laughs> and that helps me out <laughs> no um when I took the leap three years ago, ça faisait déjà au moins quatre cinq ans que I would show up on set and I'd be like, "What the hell am I doing? I don't love this anymore, but I'm just—it's paying the bills, it's, it's helping me travel, which is the thing that I love doing the most." Um, and my thing was, I would je travaillais comme une folle, comme une dingue, puis après je prenais des vacances, je, je partais pendant un mois, je partais. I just kept traveling to just change my mind. And then I would come home completely inspired and I'd be like, I have so many personal projects and then I would launch all these projects and then j'arrivais pas à toutes les faire parce que ben, I Life had my everyday um, job, façon de parler. Et quand j'ai fait le saut il y a trois ans, c'était vraiment, j'ai pas réfléchi. Ce qui était bien et ce qui était pas bien en même temps. Ça faisait un an, ça veut dire il y a quatre ans, ça faisait déjà un an que je me disais, well, if I'm, if I'm gonna eventually leave, comment je peux le faire? What do I want to do? I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Mm. So for a full year, um, je me suis donné un an où je fais de la recherche pour to find out who I am, what I want to do. Et j'ai commencé à prendre moins de contrats pour avoir mes soirées, mes week-ends off, chose que j'avais pas avant. Um, et pour lire, pour lire beaucoup, je lis beaucoup d'articles, um, beaucoup dont je me rappelle, d'autres je me rappelle pas. Mais souvent c'est des petites phrases, c'est des petits mots, c'est um, c'est ce que les gens ont vécu, c'est ce que c'est uh, c'est du n'importe quoi. Mais c'est je lisais pas juste sur la mode, je lisais autant sur l'astrologie que sur les planètes, les galaxies, mmh. euh, le design, la mode, euh, euh, le les animaux, planets. Nat Geo, Nimrod. I kept reading on anything I could find. Je pense que j'avais besoin juste de me changer les idées et de ne pas juste consommer de la mode. Mm. Et le fait que j'étais constamment entourée par des gens qui, qui ne consommaient que de la mode, c'était extrêmement épuisant. Ah, C'est lourd. J'avais pas trouvé une façon de me sortir de cette bulle-là. So I took more time for myself and I watched movies which I didn't have time for years to watch movies. And I'm like, oh wow, this is so cool. And I kept... And I started crying, which I never did, parce que j'étais tellement stressée et figée avant, à la fin d'un film, je pleurais même pas. J'étais comme... <laughs> et euh, éventuellement, ben, a year later, um, I said, this is it. When I, I was on a trip down south with Elle, and I said, I, a year ago, I decided I was going to take a year to figure out who I am. Un an plus tard, j'étais encore dans le sud avec le L en train de faire un shoot. I know it sounds glamorous, it has its high and lows. Mais il était 5 heures du matin puis tu avais plein de housses. Il était, ouais, j'étais 5 heures du matin, j'étais sur la plage avec un rack qui bougeait pas parce que j'étais coincée dans le sable. Um, it was just a complete nightmare. And then I'm I said to myself, I'm too old for this shit. And what am I doing? Is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? I said, when I come back, J'arrête. So I came back to Montreal et j'ai commencé à annoncer tranquillement à tout le monde. Ben, 
I think I'm retiring. Because <laughs> 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 we always used to make fun of it with Anthony Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, petit à petit, ben, it was like a coming out. C'est comme quelqu'un qui fait son coming out. J'ai finalement commencé à en parler. And, and everybody around me who knew me kept saying, Aza, c'est tellement toi. Oh my God, Aza, I'm so happy for you. And some friends I've lost, but it's okay. Um, mais ça, ça, ça a été un moment très éprouvant, surtout la première année, because I decided to stop working, which meant that j'aurais pas de revenus, mais je savais toujours pas qu'est-ce que j'allais faire. Tout ce que je savais, c'est que je voulais faire des collaborations. Mais collaborations, ça paye pas le loyer. On se comprend là. C'est, c'est <laughs> what am I going to eat at night, you know? And, um, pendant un an, j'ai, j'ai fouillé, j'ai fouillé, j'ai lu beaucoup et j'ai commencé à me demander, OK, si je vais faire des collaborations, c'est à quel niveau, c'est avec qui, quel serait mon monde idéal? Et c'est drôle, j'ai un ami, euh, that one year when I was working part-time, we were sitting in a park, and he said to me, Aza, if, if money was no object, what would be the first thing you would do? Et c'est quand, comment je me suis jamais posé cette question. And... I, had, I didn't have an answer. C'est aussi stupide que ça, mais je n'avais pas de réponse. Parce qu'on se dit toujours, j'aimerais faire ça, 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 mais je n'ai pas les moyens. Mais on ne se demande jamais, si j'avais, pas, si j'avais tous les moyens au monde, mm-hmm. si l'argent n'était pas une question, qu'est-ce que je ferais Je pense que c'est la question qu'il faut se poser pour, pour trouver qui on est. Donc, so pour like un year, j'ai juste kept collecting. Uh, name it on Pinterest, on my notes, my articles that I kept reading, des trucs qui m'inspiraient. Et pendant un an, j'ai juste fait de la recherche et j'ai continué à consulter parce qu'il fallait que je survive. Et, uh, et c'est comme ça que je suis tombée sur uh, plein de projets qui m'inspiraient, qui se passaient à travers le monde et que soit je trouvais ça manquait à Montréal ou soit je, je trouvais une petite source d'inspiration pour... Uh, éventuellement euh, peut-être pousser ça à ma façon ou peut-être mélanger plein de projets to, to make something authentic that belongs to you because the more you read the more you do research as long as you're not um, copying as long as you're being as you're inspiring then you can find your own vous pouvez trouver votre voix vous pouvez trouver votre signature mais ça prend énormément de recherches pour trouver sa voie et non pas partir avec juste une ou deux choses et puis dire oh I love this I love this I can do this too of course you can do this too but how how does it comment what makes it that it's you it's mm-hmm. you and not just something that you've seen on Instagram or Pinterest and you've decided that you can do it so des fois ça prend juste une seule chose pour que tu fasses oh my god this is it this is what I want to do Azamit, merci énormément. Merci à toi. Merci j'ai, à vous. J'ai beaucoup d'autres questions, mais je vais, <rire> je vais finir ça là. Merci. Merci. Merci tout le monde de m'avoir.